Hello and welcome to Rewind Design, a cottage history podcast and blog. My name is Katie McNabb and I'm a registered interior designer here in cottage country. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for clicking the link. I'm so excited to have you here. So you've landed in season two of the Rewind Design podcast. Season one was a lot more about the history of Georgian Bay and Muskoka cottage country area. I have interviewed some really cool cottagers about their very specific stories of how they ended up in cottage country. If you want to check those out, I have some really, really good episodes. One including a Georgian Bay Island cottage that may have, um, I don't want to give too much away, but it may have been used as a, um, I don't know how to say this nicely, a the island has been named colloquially as Action Island, so, you know, wasn't just the island that was getting a lot of action, but yes, if you want to check that one out, that is Sadie on Action Island. It's one of my favorites, but I have lots of, lots of serendipitous stories um, on the blog and the podcast if you want to go back to season one, but this episode is actually in season two, which has been generously sponsored and funded by the Georgian Bay Land Trust through the King Family bursary, so thank you so much. This season focuses on sustainable design in cottage country, specifically on Georgian Bay, and we all know that building in this area is inevitable. It's going to happen, development will happen, so this podcast in season two is really talking about ways in which we can be building better, um, more sustainably, thinking more about our shorelines, more about the environment, more about the water. So I have lots of <laughs> episodes about this and I will be speaking with the Georgian Bay Biosphere in upcoming episodes, which is very exciting. So we'll dig deep into more environmental and climate concerns in those episodes. But this episode is also very exciting and really on brand for season two. I spent a day in Point of Arrow with a new friend named Scott, Scott Mifflin, and he is the owner of Sustainable Cottages, which is a company that services the Point of Barrel area, as well as many other cottage areas for off-grid solar installation and supply. So we had a really good chat talking about how he started the business, why the business is so important in the area, talk a lot about the ins and outs of solar design, what it means, what it is, how it works, what's the installation process like, you know, what is it like to live on an island and you are an off-grid property and you need solar. There's no hydro available in these areas, so we talk a lot about how this is possible, how we can use a balance of solar energy versus maybe keeping some appliances propane, but it's a great conversation. It's very exciting and you will learn a lot about green energy. So again, thank you so much for listening to this episode and thank you so much to Scott for participating in the interview. You can check Scott's company out at sustainablecottages.ca and you can also check out the blog portion of this episode at rewinddesign.ca and you can see lots of photos of Scott's property and his cottage in Point of Barrel and see lots of content on solar design, some graphics. It's a very interesting blog so I would definitely check that out. Without further ado, we're going to jump right into the episode. Thank you so much, Scott. Right. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast here today. We've got Rewind Design Season 2. If we just have uh, the two of you just introduce yourselves quickly and just say what your names are. Uh, my name is Scott Mifflin 
And I'm Cameron Elkin. Yeah, so we are the two of them here today from Sustainable Cottages up in Point of Barrel. We're sitting here in Scott's beautiful cottage overlooking Georgian Bay, and we're just so excited to have you on the show today. So I just have a few, yeah, I just have a few simple questions to start off with. Um, So I know you said your name is Scott, but can you just give us a little bit of a background of where you're from and maybe your journey to cottage living? Yeah, I'm originally from Toronto, uh, which is still my home today. Um, My family has been a Point of Bell cottager for about 20 years now. Um, grown up actually going to further north than Point of Barrel in the French River area. Um, my mom's family's from Sudbury, so we cottaged there, and I'd always come through Point of Barrel, go to the chip stand. So it's always been a part of my life. But uh, the last twenty years, it's uh, it's been our uh, our paradise up here, and um, yeah, just love being up here, and it's uh, one of my favorite places to be. So mm-hmm. it's lucky that I get to uh, incorporate some work into um, the place that I love to be as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love the French River. Done lots of canoe trips. Up there so it's beautiful as beautiful well. area very remote rugged very similar to point of barrel um more spread apart cottages lots of nature um a lot of appreciation for the nature up here which is great um so i wanted to ask you what a little bit about your journey to the company that you now own called sustainable cottages um great name love it <laughs> i feel you. like you chose a great name because it's very easily searchable. You know, anyone looking to have something sustainable would want to use your um, systems anyways. We'll get into that. Um, But yes, you had a different history kind of leading into this industry. You've more so always been in the construction industry. But can you just talk a little bit about your roots and how you ended up where you are now. Yeah, it is a little unorthodox, I guess. I mean, my background, I went to university, uh, studied political science. Um, In those summers, I uh, was doing summer jobs in construction, Um, you know, fairly well paying for the time, you know, that age and, you know, get get a good suntan and you're outside a lot. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I picked up a lot of skills over those years, um, carpentry and all the other little things that go along with home building. Um, But then after uh, my university, I decided to to keep going with it a bit just because I really enjoyed it. Um, and I worked for a great company in Toronto. Um, so it was, you know, great experience working with some really, really top-notch projects with some great designers um, and, uh, and architects. So it was a really good uh, way to, to get into the industry. Um, after, you know, about six, seven years, I realized um, it wasn't exactly the direction I wanted to go in. I've always been passionate about the environment, sustainability, Um, and we weren't really touching on those kind of subjects really in the work. So I decided to take it upon myself to, uh, get more educated in that space. Um, I uh, took some, uh, courses, uh, to become lead certified. So in 2013, uh, I got my lead accreditation, uh, which was really good. I was very proud about that. It was a really tough exam. And, um, then I started my own company original company, Toronto Green Builders, um, so I was based out of Toronto doing renovation works, beaches, Leslieville, East York area, which is kind of where I was living. Um, after a few years of doing that, um, I decided to get some training on solar, mainly because our family cottage, uh, we had just renovated um, and our system didn't seem to be working properly. So I said, well, hey, you know, if I can, if I can build a house or renovate a house, I can certainly figure out solar. Mm-hmm. But I decided that it would probably be wise to get some training. Uh, so there's a program uh, run by a great guy named Mario. He's one of the OGs in the solar space. Um, it's a small community. 
he started the Canadian Solar Institute about 15 years ago, uh, starting to educate people like myself who were interested in becoming, you know, either an installer or an equipment dealer, um, which I've sort of become both. Um, and it was a really good hands-on two-week course that I that I took. And at the end, we got linked up with a distributor at the time, Sentinel Solar. Um, and I took on figuring out what was wrong with our system here, which I did. Um, and I guess a little bit of word of mouth, um, one cottage neighbor heard that I had, you know, done it and, you know, I got a phone call saying, Hey, you know, um, we're building a cottage and we want to, we want to go for solar and, you know, we'd like for you to be a part of this. So, um, I took that on and, uh, that was a great experience and it's kind of snowballed from there really. Um, you know, I've sort of left the renovation business in Toronto and I've, you know, solely focused on sustainable energy. Um, you know, whether it's for residential net metering in Toronto, um, we work in all sorts of areas, Collingwood, Thornbury, Kawarthas, um, obviously up here in Point of Barrel and other places on Georgian Bay as well. Um, and eight years later, um, kind of find myself, uh, loving the work I do and being in a great place, um, a great community with good people. And, uh, that's sort of how I've, uh, sort of become one of the solar guys, uh, up in Point of Barrel. That was a very fantastic uh, overview. I didn't have to ask you any questions. That was great. Um, I was just going to ask you, uh, did you see when you first started the company, was there a big gap in the market up here for solar? What was the existing situation of solar up here? Yeah, well, I think there were definitely some people who had um, you know, been doing the work up here. Uh, doing good jobs. Um, but as things were evolving, I think maybe they were um, looking to either retire or, you know, spend less time doing the kind of work up here and maybe go on their own uh, adventure somewhere. Um, and it was just as I was kind of coming up here a bit more frequently and saying, hey, you know, maybe I can, you know, make a business out of um, providing sustainable energy solutions for off-grid cottages. And uh, at the same time, yeah, there was a bit of a a flux. So I think people were finding that they were having a hard time finding somebody, um, maybe not just on the install side, but someone who was actually up here as well, um, you know, to be, you know, there in case an emergency or something happens. Um, it's kind of nice to know that uh, the person that did your system is, you know, 15, 20 minute boat right away. So um, those two things combined to really sort of open the door for me. Um, and there are still people that are doing solar up here. Um but not as many that actually have a, a base of operations up here as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so do you mainly work with individual cottagers or are you kind of partnered with any builders or it's just like word of mouth, like you said? It's a, it's a bit of all of them. I definitely work with the builders. I've always made a point of not really doing non-solar work up here. I leave the contracting work to the, the, to contractors. the contractors. Yeah. Um, and I just like to provide a service that otherwise there's a void for. Um, definitely word of mouth. It, you know, one cottager is really happy with my work and he talks to somebody else and, you know, that's one way to go. But um, it is always nice to know that the contractors who are obviously, you know, ground zero with the clients and, you know, building are going to say, hey, I'm doing this project. Do you want to come on and do the solar? Um, and that's that's really nice, too. Um, I enjoy working with them. They're, you know, great guys, great crews up here. So it's nice to be able to provide, like I said, a service that otherwise isn't uh, readily available. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that comes with a lot of its own challenges. Obviously, being on island properties uh, yes. can be a bit tricky compared to maybe installing something on mainland. So I was going to ask you before we dive into maybe more what solar is for people. Um, what are some challenges you would say you have out here on the bay versus? building in the city 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, location um, is a bit rugged. Uh, water conditions can be pretty nasty sometimes. Um, you know, also just working on straight bedrock um, versus, you know, on a traditional roof. Uh, we do a lot of ground mounts up here as well as roofs too. Um, but yeah, the logistics of getting everything out here and it not costing a fortune and also not just, you know, doing endless trips and, you know, burning fossil fuels um, mm-hmm. to make that happen is it's pretty important. You know, mm-hmm. it's obviously something we take into consideration. Um, but yeah, definitely having, you know, um, big barge companies up here is quite nice. Um, we can facilitate many um, equipment drop-offs in one go to try to minimize all of that and then allow our crews so we can just show up and sort of everything's there ready to go um, and not breaking our backs, just getting it from, you know, from the land and to your boat and then onto the cottage property. So um, that would probably be the one, the one difference I see. Um, a lot of the things are fairly similar though too, but also getting good people um, to work up here is a bit of a challenge as well. So that's been a hurdle that we've had to deal with, but you know, we overcome them and uh, we get the jobs done. So. Yeah. So just most of the listeners of this podcast, like I said, are cottagers or people who have an interest in cottaging. And I just want to know from your perspective, what are the main pros of choosing a solar system versus, let's say, hydro versus having propane? I know like they're all very different, but if you can just maybe just talk a little bit about why solar is the way to go in some cases. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely a hybrid approach. Um, you know, obviously some cottages up here don't have the grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right off the bat, we're, we're looking at a kind of a battery backup, I'm not backup, battery solution. Um, but we do need propane in a small sense because, um, you know, running hydro items, uh, stove, electric heating, uh, electric hot water, it's not really sustainable on a, on a battery system. Sure, during the day when the sun's out and your array of panels producing a lot of energy, you could do it. But as soon as the sun goes down, you're relying on the batteries. Batteries don't like those kind of draws. So you could, in theory, do it, but you'd be shortening the life of said battery. Um, so that's where we say propane for, you know, at least your hot water heating and your stove mm-hmm. um, and your stove top um, is kind of the best scenario. Um, generators are always nice as a backup, but we really don't want you know, the noise and the hassle of having to deal with that. Um, some of our systems, we do tie the generators in um, just to give people that extra peace of mind if, you know, some sort of force majeure or a tree falls down and you're out, that you have the backup. Mm-hmm. Just in case. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Is Can you think of, I guess, you're talking a lot about your passion for sustainability. And did that, have you always been like that? Was there anything that happened in your career where you were like, oh my God, I really actually care a lot about the environment or was it the way you grew up? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, Definitely, you know, growing up, you know, going cottaging, um, you get an appreciation for nature and the wildlife and the water and the trees and the plants and everything. And then, um, yeah, knowing that there's a lot of people out there that may not be, you know, promoting that or putting that ahead of some of the other decisions they make when they're, you know, how do we operate the cottage? What are we going to do? How do we want to expand on it? What kind of things do we want? Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice that uh, up here, kind of, you're sort of not in force, but you're so in tune with the nature that you really just want to have something peaceful um, that you don't have to worry about. You know, we try to build systems that are really much maintenance free for clients. We want you to go and enjoy the day and have a nice glass of wine at dinner, not worry about the power, mm-hmm. not worry that things aren't going to be working. Um, and I think that's one of the nicest things that people appreciate up here is that at the end of the day, that's exactly what they're getting um, when they build a system with us. So 
um, it's nice having that and knowing that I'm helping people, you know, be more in tune with the nature. Um, it's nice. Well, that's what, you know, cottaging really is, right? Like here we are sitting in your beautiful screened in deck area. We're looking right out onto the water. We can hear the waves. It's so um, immersive and yeah, it's just so great to, to have a company like yours that promotes, um, sustainable building. So just for people who don't know anything about solar, know nothing, can you give a basic explanation of how it works, kind of what the construction looks like and, um, you know, just a general synopsis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the, a hard, the, sometimes a hard concept to it understand. Is. And some of the terminology and the jargon can be a little overwhelming for some people. Um, but as simple as it gets, it's called photovoltaics or PV, solar PV, we like to call it. And that's the process of using the sun's light and using crystals to essentially transform that uh, UV into electricity um, and harnessing that electricity into batteries. And then from the batteries, we use what's called an inverter to take uh, DC power, which is what's produced from the panels and what's stored in the batteries, into AC 120, as we commonly refer to it as the power you'd have in your in your, in your home, regular outlets um, and things like that. So it's fairly simple, um, but when you get down to the to the nitty gritty, you got to really do your load calculations. You got to see what each client's energy um, consumption is going to be. And you work backwards and build a battery bank that's big enough to support that energy demand and then build an array of panels that's strong enough to power those batteries as they're supposed to be based on the manufacturer's uh, recommendations. The inverter, a little easier. That's just the middleman that's taking the DC and putting it to AC for you. So how much power at any one given time are you going to need? Um, for most cottages, we're looking at you know a four, four or five kilowatt or 4,000, 5,000 watt inverter. Um, usually would you know easily power an electric fridge, a submersible pump. Um, big one now, Starlink. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to have some access to uh, mm-hmm. remote Wi-Fi Work from home. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. you know all your outlets and your lighting. You know, assuming you're sticking with LEDs, um, it's all within that range. You know, some cottages do require a bit more um, for a number of reasons, and we size everything accordingly. So you know, as long as you're doing um, your diligence and you know engaging the customer and saying, what are you going to do? What are your future considerations? Um, and that's been the, the biggest thing I've seen a lot of people who have older systems now are realizing as they're you know evolving into different areas, reducing their propane, um, going a little bit more electric, except for the high dry items. Um, they're realizing that solar is the way to go um, and, and cost savings. You know, we, we switched out our propane fridges uh, and over a few years, you know, um, we've saved thousands of dollars on propane costs. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, knowing that it's a nice little buffer to say, hey, we can spend some money now, but we're going to save some over time. Um, those have been kind of key factors in, in seeing how people um, choose to go to solar, um, even though sometimes it can seem a little bit confusing and overwhelming. You know, when we do site visits, our initial visit with the customer, um, we'd like to talk through this whole process with them. And, and, you know, it doesn't take very long and people, you know, pretty quickly pick up on hey, this isn't that complicated, mm. it's doable, and this is a long-term sustainable investment, you know, where, hey, maybe it's, I'm not going to be here in 20 years, but my grandkids are, and mm. we're doing something now that's going to benefit them that far down the road, and hey, you know, on a side note, we're going to save a bunch of money, use less propane, 
you know, less boat and barge trips to get said equipment and propane out there. Um, and uh, overall, I think people, once they realize that, it becomes a lot easier of a choice to to go with with solar. Even if you're going to be a hybrid where you're still going to have some propane, maybe you have a generator as a backup, uh, you know, for your power tools and things. You know, if you want to do it yourself projects, you know, you're not running a table saw off batteries, you're going to use a generator because you just don't want to shorten the life of, a, you know, a pretty significant investment. Mm-hmm. So. And can I know we talked a bit before about the different types of batteries. Can you just briefly describe what the, I guess you said there's three different types of batteries because it was really interesting to hear about that as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there are a few more, but the most common type, um, the flooded lead acid battery, um, workhorse that's been around forever, um, you know, does require some maintenance, does require an extra step of charging called equalizing and you have to top up distilled water into the batteries. Um, they do have a slightly longer cycle life than their um, their newer version, which is an AGM or a glass mat battery. Still flooded battery, but maintenance free, um, no venting, no equalizing, no distilled water. And that's kind of our go-to up here. Um, we just want people, like I said, to enjoy their cottage experience and not worry about the power, not worry about maintenance or crawl so under a cottage. There's already so many things to maintain. You have so, so. many things to maintain <laughs> in the cottage. So this should be the one that you just know you set it, you leave it. It's yeah. good. Um, the other option, um, there are gel batteries, a little less common, but some people do have them. Um, but lithiums are obviously the, um, the future of the uh, battery industry um not that they're going to get rid of agms anytime soon um they are a much longer solution uh, agms we say are 15 to uh, 10 to 15 year solution uh, and but lithiums are 20 to 30 year mm-hmm. so it's a pretty significant time frame for your batteries to last but they are much more expensive would you say they're like twice as much yeah roughly up double the price yeah. overall um i will say that they they take up less space um there's a lot less weight a typical agm or a flooded battery weigh about 110 to 125 pounds of battery most of the systems we install are eight minimum depending on the voltage and a few other things um so that's about a thousand pounds uh, for eight batteries and i can replace that capacity with three lithium batteries mm-hmm. so a lot less space a lot less weight but you are putting a bit more of capital investment into um, that technology so it really depends on the usage and the needs again we wouldn't sell lithiums to someone who isn't really using a cottage very frequently who doesn't have high draw um, because the highest, the most important part of that battery would just be lost if you're not actually utilizing it. So we really, you know, go into the customer's needs and how frequently they're there. Yeah. And then we say, hey, we, we really think this is the better battery solution to you. Maybe it is lithium and the price makes makes sense. If not, we have a perfectly good alternative. Mm-hmm. It just requires a little bit more effort to, um, to get said batteries to mm-hmm. the location. Perfectly customized plan for each client. Yes. No yeah. cookie cutters. All Everything is balanced. customized. Yeah. yeah. You take into account everything and um, you, you create the solution that's perfect for that specific client. So, yeah, yeah like you said, nothing is cookie cutter. It's all uh, highly customized for your client, which is great. Um, yeah. OK, so just funny you say that <laughs> talking about batteries, I didn't really know too much. And then I re- you know, was doing a little bit of research before we were speaking. And it's so funny. My boyfriend had always had one of those classic batteries for his trolling motor. Mm-hmm. And he just recently got a lithium one and he's just going on and on about how amazing they are. And I still picked that one up and was like, holy, this is so heavy. And he's like, Katie, that's like half the weight of my other battery. <laughs> I was like, yep. okay, yeah, okay. And those things are crazy. Yeah. So I can imagine just even that technology advancing um, 
is is incredible just for transporting those out here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, speaking to that, I just wanted to ask you, it's been eight years that you've been in business with this company. So yes. in these last eight years, what have you seen in advancement for not necessarily just the batteries, but like all of the technology in general? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a fair amount. Um, the battery technology, the chemistry has sort of stayed the same. Capacity is what's really grown, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what you used to be able to get from one battery to now is, you know, three, four times as much capacity in the same square footage. Um, but the chemistry hasn't really changed a lot. Um, I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. The lithium. Uh, battery space is, you know, obviously starting to dominate the market for, for obvious reasons. Um, and it also comes with its own downsides too. Lithium is a very polluting process. Extraction of it um, does have, you know, pretty big uh, emission footprint. So, you know, thinking about that, saying, hey, when, how much do you really want to change something if it's working? Mm-hmm. Um, it's trying to find the sweet spot, you know. Because if you're doing solar for it to be sustainable, then if we're doing lithium that has this other emission footprint, then it's like, how do we, how, like, how much does using your own solar energy offset that initial cost of the battery life, like the battery life itself? Yeah, so it's but like, also reducing your need on the grid, yeah. which, you know, obviously looking at nuclear waste mm-hmm. um, or hydroelectric dams, the yeah. impact of damming and, you know, environmental oh, yeah. uh, species, um, migratory birds, all sorts of impacts, you know, people need to like really trace where mm-hmm. um, all these products are coming from and their impacts. But back to the the innovation and that, yeah, there is a really, um, I'd say on the panel front, that's where we've seen the biggest innovation. Um you know, again, more capacity, more wattage per square foot. So out of the same space, we can um, get more energy production, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the technology in those panels, um, the efficiency is getting better and better. Um, uh, things like, you know, low light technology, which has sort of been incorporated into all new panel production, uh, really takes away the need for you to get like the perfect angle of your panel. You, everyone used to go, you know, if we live, you know, north of the 45th parallel, then you have to have a 45 degree um, pitch on your panel. That's not really the case anymore. Um, the reflection on, on the panels, the light lost is really, really reduced um, with this new technology. So it's a lot easier to just sort of say, hey, don't worry about that. Just size your system properly and put it in, you know, south facing or east west if you can. Um, uh, layout and you're going to have great production throughout the year obviously the, the the winter is is a little bit different but a lot of the cottages up here um, aren't being uh, used in the winter mm-hmm. so we again everything's sort of non-cookie cutter if we were in a muskoka location versus you know georgian bay point of barrel and therefore season cottages well we would change a lot For you sure. know and their energy you, you know demand is much higher um, so we'd find a new solution for that. But up here, thankfully, we don't have to worry about that as much. So it's really nice to know that, you know, if someone's got a roof, whether it's, you know, 15 or 30 degree pitch, as long as it's facing south and I put my array of panels there, it's going to have significant production. Mm-hmm. Uh, one less thing to worry about. So I see a lot of innovation on that side. There will be some changes on the battery front. Inverters, um, you know, they're kind of just workhorses. They, you know, they're, they're hybrid inverters now. So if you are in a grid tied scenario, um, these are wonderful inverters to have if you're into um, like net metering offset your energy consumption through the net metering program, which is available in Ontario. Um, that's really neat. So on the on the inverter side, 
Um, you know, we're seeing like real-time monitoring. There's apps that, that installers uh, and, uh, and customers or homeowners can have so that you can monitor your production, see how you've done, you know, every single year, every single month, every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a problem troubleshooting, I can, you know, get remote notifications. I can get on the phone with tech support. And remotely, if your hybrid inverter is connected to the internet, which most of them are, uh, we can do remote troubleshooting. We can update firmware remotely. We don't even have to go to said location to wow. do a lot of work so there's some pretty neat stuff on that front doesn't really apply in the off-grid space it does a little bit with starlink um people can keep you know keep an eye on their system and if there's anything um happening they'll know before they get to the cottage but this might maybe that's a better solution for people who are um like on mainland or always connected to the internet or are living there all the time it's it's more urgent i guess because here here you could probably not have power for a day and you'd be okay yeah it's not you're always here usually in good weather it's not most people aren't out here in the winter if they're on an island um cottages aren't built to 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 withstand that no insulation you know yeah absolutely it's a three uh, three ish season place but i was just going to ask you i know that you obviously do a lot of work in point of barrel because that's where your cottage is based so i know you've got a lot of connections here but you mentioned you've done some other areas like muskoka lake of bays type projects we've done a few muskoka we've done some on pigeon lake and the kawarthas uh we've done a really remote one at the mouth of the french river it's called the uh, mad river um, that was really neat. A, cool. a bit of a journey to get the equipment there, but uh, what a beautiful place. Uh, we've done stuff out um, by Beausoleil Island, down by Honey Harbor. Um, we've done some other stuff just outside of, uh, sort of between Perry Sound and, uh, and Point of Barrel as well, on all the sounds and the islands that are up there. Um, and yeah, looking to you know expand into even more areas. We've got some projects on the go in the Collingwood area. Um, we're really excited about working there. We've got a local electrician um, that we're going to partner with um, just to give us a broader reach over there. It's really hard to move crews across totally. Ontario. Yeah. Um, accommodation, not just transportation, but um, it's really nice to have some more regional um, electrical partners to work with because they are essential to to our production. We have to uh, use obviously master electricians to uh, to do all our work. Mm-hmm. Um, Besides, you know, installing the racking and bringing the panels and the equipment to site, they're the ones who do all, all the real serious work um, to make sure everything's done to the code. So, um, you know, they're the most probably important part to our to our operation. Um, but it's really nice to find them in, in different areas and say, hey, let's, you know, let's work. We'll, we'll do the design. We'll bring you the, the projects and then you, you fulfill the, um, the installation. Um, and that's sort of been our, our key to success um, and finding the ability to reach more areas um, as a sort of you know, small to medium growing business. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And um, as of right now, you said your crew is between like four to five people, kind of fluctuating yeah, depending on... Yeah, depending on the size. The, yeah. Also, depending on how many batteries, you know, if yeah. we're bringing 16 mm-hmm. um, AGM batteries up, yeah. uh, we definitely need a couple young backs. Yeah. Um, I'm maybe past that point to say, I mean, I can move no problem, but I, I do enjoy seeing a younger guy earn his keep and mm-hmm. move some heavy stuff for us. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so about four or five, you know, master electrician with his apprentice, and then we'll have two installers, myself overseeing it. Um, and that's kind of how we like to, uh, to get the jobs done. Okay, cool. And then, so just going back to the actual construction of the solar panel. So Mm -hmm. where are these panels fabricated? That's a good question. I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. I guess no, a lot of people don't know. The truth is that um, I'd say about 90% of the crystals uh, made uh, manufactured for solar panels are manufactured in China. Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest changes actually right now we're seeing. Um, and it's actually starting in the States with the Inflation Reduction Act. They're investing a huge amount into, into infrastructure mm-hmm. because they want to change that. They want to produce more crystals in the United States. Um, and uh, there's a few Canadian solar um, panel manufacturers that are starting to follow suit. Canadian Solar um, has been a great one. They had a facility in Guelph for a number of years where they assembled all the panels. So the crystals are still made in China, but then everything else is assembled here. And a right. lot, same with the American companies as well. Um, there's one sort of Canadian-American hybrid, um, Helene, and they're investing a huge amount of money into a Sault Ste. Marie factory where they're not only going to be assembling the panels, but they're going to start doing crystal production as well. Um, and we're in talks with them to start uh, utilizing their products. Um, fortunately, their, their facility won't be completed until February. Um, so we're waiting until the new year to see um, you know, what kind of panels they can offer and, and the, the quantities and how quickly they can get them to us. Um, it's been a tough few years um, with regards to the panels. Um, a few big companies have pulled out. Um, LG would be the, probably the biggest. They were the top of the line, bees knees, um, solar panel manufacturer. And uh, at the beginning of COVID, after 2020, they just said, no, it's not worth it anymore for whatever reason. And they just closed operations. Um, And then, you know, um, obviously COVID changed everything. Supply chain prices went up. Um, There were lots of delays. So, you know, one week there'd be a container of panels, but then someone said, hey, I'm going to buy the whole thing. And then they're not there anymore. So we have to change change our designs a little or, you know, find a different panel, um, depending on in the application, um, off grid, we're a little less concerned about the aesthetics of the panel. Obviously we don't want to put it anywhere. It's an eyesore, but when you're talking residential solar, uh, black frame panels have been the, um, the go-to for a lot of customers. You know, they want, they don't want it to look on their, you know, new roof or whatever to look anything less than perfect. So black frame panels have been a great option. Unfortunately, they're even in shorter supply. The price is higher because they're only, you know, say making tens of thousands versus they're making millions of the silver frame panels, which are also beautiful panels. But um, it's been a little tricky navigating that and then seeing supply come and go so quickly. Um, it's been it's been tough. But this year we're seeing with Lean in particular and Canadian Solar, um, who I've worked with for a long, long time. Um, they're starting to realize that, um, you know, more homemade products is what people are going to want. Um, so, you know, I think they're following suit with what they're doing in the States and saying, Hey, let's invest in the infrastructure. It's a lot of money now, but for the next 30 years, we can manufacture our own crystals and, you know, be accountable and knowing they're not coming from, you know, poorly made places, uh, in China where labor conditions could be less than ideal or even slave labor could be potentially used, things like that. So we're going to see a lot more, uh, tracing, and tracking of where um, solar equipment comes from. And just the manufacturing of the crystals, is it a very complicated process that it's it's hard to do here or it's just always been manufactured there? And Yeah, I mean, China, you know, had the, the wheel yeah. um, for so long and being, you know, we're going to manufacture everything. So yeah, I think totally. we just got complacent and comfortable saying, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, we can assemble the panels here, um, but they do such a good job and, and maybe the price point's a lot lower 
and then all the money to invest in the facilities to make it, you know, be so long before they see the profits. I think people just got comfortable saying, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But now we realize that, hey, we have to be a bit more energy independent ourselves in terms of how we make the panels, Um, you know, just shipping everything across, you know, the the planet from China isn't exactly sustainable. Who knows what's going to happen? We should be prepared for the fact that we're going to have to make our own. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 25 years from now, we're going to say, hey, that was a great choice. Well, not in itself, it's more sustainable too. So it it kind of all ties in the same ideology and thinking anyway. So I think that's a great, a great thing. Cause I I kind of assumed that the panels would probably be fabricated overseas because it just seems like one of those things that is easily mass produced over there. And like so much technology is still produced there. So I'm not surprised at Mm -hmm. all, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's moving hopefully towards, you know, being fabricated here. And that would help our local economy as well. So, of course, yeah, that's great. Um, I wanted to loop back into, um, you were talking about how you're, um, you're passionate about repurposing things if possible. So if someone has like an existing solar system, you're not just going to say, oh, this is garbage. I'm going to rip it all out. You know, you like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to say, oh, I have the bigger, better panel and, and just say, um, I'm going to tear it all out. You're going to, you will do an analysis of what they already have and say, how can I work best with what you've got and add to it? So I just thought that was really admirable and also in tune with your um, belief in, you know, sustainability. So um, what other ways are you into repurposing, I guess, besides just that one example? Well, yeah, no, I mean, if we, we come to a project and the batteries are getting close to the end of their life and we see that the array of panels wasn't sized you know, big enough. Um, we start by saying, "Hey, before we tear everything out, let's let's just put a bigger array in." Um, you know, if we have to change a charge controller or do something, because they are they are all working with their capacity. So if we're going bigger, we're going to make sure everything else will work with it. And let's see what happens to those batteries. You know, um, if we can, if we can squeeze two, three, four more years out of life of those things, that's amazing. They're heavy. Getting rid of them uh, can be somewhat difficult. To the recycling of batteries is actually quite good um an old uh, flooded battery just gets recycled and they separate the plastic from the metal and then they re- use both again to remake the battery which is nice mm-hmm. um but um if we can we just want to you know avoid just replacing things for the sake of replacing things it's yeah. just a lot to get things up here and it's money and you know if you you can keep a few more bucks in your pocket you know your beer fund or your wine yeah, fund yeah, yeah. or your gas fund for your sea do or, or maybe you want a new boat you know and that's what you should be spending your money on not just replacing the system mm-hmm. um and then we we plan so that hey once you get to that point maybe those batteries do reach the end of their life um your system is designed to just now replace those batteries and then that's it and now you're going to be sitting 10 15 years not having to worry about anything um so you know to me that's you know just part of doing business uh, it's just how i like to operate um, but if I did see something that needed to be replaced, I would be immediately saying this has to be done, you know, well, um, you for said, whatever reason. Yeah, you were saying you had one project where uh, it was a hazard, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where the batteries, uh, unfortunately, um, were at the end of their life um, and hadn't been, uh, maybe for just the last little bit, hadn't been maintained. Um, and when that happens with a flooded battery, you know, inside it's it's acid, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's It can be volatile. It's corrosive for sure and you know the last thing i would want is somebody to accidentally just come across it and open up one of the caps and have some gas vent out you know and and it's it's you know that's the kind of thing i I worry about so again why we like going with the agms is that it's a sealed maintenance free battery clients aren't going down there 
they're just enjoying themselves at the cottage, you know, playing the guitar, singing with their family, enjoying some wine at night, having yeah, a good time, not worrying about the power. And that's that's really what it's about. Because mm-hmm. um, why else are we up here if not to have time with the friends and family? Yeah. I was going to ask you, we're kind of uh, wrapping up into our last few questions here. Um, what the most fulfilling part of having your business is to you? Uh, I mean, I get to take in these beautiful views. My commute uh, is a boat ride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are really happy when they get to come and enjoy their cottage. Um, you know, you get to work with local guys up here. Um, you know, I'm learning more and more about the history of cottages and areas I know, that I hadn't amazing. been to in 20 years. You know, some places, you know, you come up here to get away and you don't think about connecting with you know, a couple kilometers down the way, but then, you know, you meet these new clients, you go to these new places. Um, it is kind of really, uh, I feel lucky to be able to work up here, um, mm-hmm. and doing something that I really like, yeah. you know, a lot of people do great jobs and things that maybe they're passionate about, but they don't love for the fact that it takes them away from some of the places they want to be like up here. Yeah, so like, I'm here. I've, yeah. used, I've been able to fuse them together. Although I do have, um, you know, other obligations outside of the point of barrel area. Mm-hmm. Um, it is nice to spend, you know, a significant amount of time up here every year. Um, even if, even if the bad weather, I'm here in April when the ice is out, I know, and, I know. you know, yeah. it's pretty cold, but you know, get the fire going, have a sauna, have a nice time. Um, same with the fall too. Fall is beautiful, you know, quiets down a little bit. Not that I don't want to see all our cottage neighbors go because I love nice them. Yeah, it's a nice relief to, to, you know, take a breath and then reflect a little bit. So yeah, I, I'm really appreciative to be able to work up here and then, yeah, and getting to, to know new people, work with local people like Cam uh, and a few other installers that I'm uh, that I've gotten to know in the last few years um, it's it's nice cuz it's a good team you know takes yeah. takes a village sometimes yeah, so yeah yeah well especially on if you know building places up here definitely takes a team of people and yeah. i found everyone up here is incredible so it's just a big community and yeah i love it too but i was going to say Cam <laughs> maybe you could just introduce yourself as well really quickly and what you're doing with Scott. Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up in Point of Barrel and um, grew up working at the marinas in the station. So um, met a lot of people through there. Scott, one of them. And uh, I've gone to school for interior design. So I've always kind of been interested in the sustainable side of that as well. And meeting Scott and knowing what he was doing, I was super interested in getting to know some of that stuff. So, yeah, I've just helped him out kind of uh, meeting like potential clients and that sort of thing and introducing him to uh, those people. And yeah, yeah, it's been a great summer so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's been just uh, starting this year, right? Yeah, just yeah. this year. It's got a long future ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting for me to meet other designers in the area yeah. too. So it's great to meet you, and um, yeah, happy to, to talk more design stuff oh, at yeah. another time. But sure. um, yeah, is there any other further things you wanted to say? Any questions for me? Well, I mean, I've been listening to some of the podcasts, which I really enjoyed. It's nice hearing uh, the perspectives of other people up here oh, yeah. Yeah. who I haven't had the chance to work with, or you know, they're just in a different little pocket. Um, but it's nice to know that there's a lot of people out there, um, you know, focused on sustainability and realizing the importance of protecting this environment that we have. And mm. it might not seem like a lot, one little project, one little less boat trip, a little less propane, you know, something that just allows you to enjoy the space a bit. Um, it's, it's really rewarding to work um, with those kind of mm. benefits. So. 
it's it's nice and just knowing there's a lot of people that are collectively doing this and we're gonna bit by bit get closer to making sure that you know hopefully my grandkids or great grandkids are still coming up here yeah and taking in this view and uh and living you know sustainably one with you know with the nature and the environment and having a nice time so and yeah i mean sustainably sustainability is such a broad concept and yes. such a broad word right so like people define it differently but i think the the whole reason and the whole like meaning of it is just like living within your means protecting the environment doing everything that we can to um be like less of a footprint on this earth so uh, you know solar is a perfect example of uh, something you can do that helps you know building smaller footprints protecting your shoreline using natural non-invasive species like all of these things kind of all come together to form um what I would define as sustainable, yep. um, you know, building with wood instead of concrete, there, you know, embodied carbon, there's all these like hot topics. But um, yeah, I really believe that solar is a great way forward. And so glad to have you on the podcast. So just wanted to say a big thank you. Big thank you. Oh, and also, he took me, uh, Scott took me around to a bunch of projects before we got to his cottage. So it was great to see some examples um, all around Point of Barrel, you know, so many, so many great great examples and um yeah they look great like they don't you know i feel like solar sometimes has that uh, rep of maybe not looking great but you've done such a great job at um having really good great trim details that um allow it to like lay flush on the on the Mm -hmm. roof and um you said what was that like the rodent 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 guard guard. solar (laughs) trim we use a product to encase the perimeter of the panel so protect things from getting under there but it's black and it's nice and yeah it just ties in the the, uh into the roof very nicely so it's a great little um accoutrement that we have um to offer we obviously do it every on every install but once they actually see it installed wow this looks really nice i didn't know it could look this great we try our best to and actually one thing i forgot to mention we're trying we're um i'm volunteering with the georgian bay land trust Mm. Out on Little McCoy Island, they have a little uh, bird monitoring station. And one of our uh, cottage neighbors, um, who who's a steward of the island and wonderful guy, uh, worked for their family um, for a few years. And um, yeah, I'm trying to get some um, some of my suppliers and my distributor, you know, give us some equipment. Um, and I'll volunteer my time to go out there and upgrade it for them because it hasn't actually been working, I think, the last year and a half, which is too bad. So I'm also about giving back to the community mm-hmm. as well, um, however I can. Um and, uh, you know, I was really excited to get a call saying, hey, like, do you want to, like, try to do this for us? And we'd really like to get it up and running. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, so, we're, awesome. well, now that I've had a little time and now that some of the clients have gone and the workload is, I can't say gone down much, but it's gone down enough mm-hmm. that I can take on a little project like that. Because, you know, the local initiatives are very important to me. And obviously, the Georgian Bay Land Trust um, is, is a great organization. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to helping them out. Yeah. Did, did you know I was funded this? Okay, yeah. So I, I, yeah. I won a bursary from the George Bay Land Trust cool. for this uh, season two, uh, I guess we're calling it sustainable building on Georgian Bay. So um, yeah, I always say a big shout out to them in every episode just to say thanks for all the work that they do. And Absolutely. obviously, um, I guess what I pitched to them originally was just saying like building on Georgian Bay is uh, unavoidable. Like it, it's going to happen, yeah. like development will happen, but like what can we do to develop in a better way and to do it like I keep saying sustainable but we all know what that means just like building better so um, they liked that idea obviously so that's um, wonderful yeah so again speaking to people like you with your company 
lots of other companies around here are doing great things. So um, it's great to connect with uh, people like like minded. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. I just want to say a big thank you to both of you for allowing me to be here today. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing the show today. That was a pleasure. Thanks for doing what you do. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for listening to this week's episode. I so appreciate every single listener that tunes in, every single reader that reads the blog, rewinddesign.ca. The best thing you can do for me to support me in this journey is to either follow along on Spotify, Apple Music, or whichever platform you listen to, click that follow button. The second best thing you can do is share this podcast to your friends and family. If anyone you know might be interested, just forward this along to them and tell them to take a take a listen or take a peek at my website. And if you're interested in supporting me further, I also have a Patreon account where you can donate $5 a month to the podcast and a portion of that will also go to the Georgian Bay Land Trust and that is patreon.com slash rewind design. No pressure to do any of that. I'm just so happy if you're listening to this and if you love Cottage Country and Georgian Bay and Muskoka as much as I do. So thank you again so much and stay tuned for another episode. <music>